0: Hello and welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Hey friends,
1: I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today. We have a interesting tale today of marital misadventure, that of Miss Kelly McGillis. Mm. There was a time in the 1980s when actress Kelly McGillis was one of the most famous women in Hollywood. Then, without any warning or explanation, she left the fame and pressure of the biz we call show. When Maverick was released in 2022, some fans of the original movie Top Gun wondered why Kelly didn't appear in the sequel, along with Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. But Kelly McGillis had long moved on from reprising her role from 35 years earlier. Although most of her life has been lived out of the spotlight, it has been more full of drama than many movies. Along the way, Kelly has overcome tragedy, drug and alcohol misuse, and a long struggle with self-acceptance regarding her sexuality. And of course, here for our purposes, she's had a few trashy divorces. Hooray! Today, we are getting into the trashy divorces of Kelly McGillis. I think we only have one alternative, and that is is two. Get on the highway to the danger zone.
0: Will this take my breath away? Let's go, go, go. All right, Alicia, I know some of her story, but I'm sure that there is more I don't know. Let's talk about Kelly McGillis.
1: There's really a lot here, a lot of different themes. I'll give you some warnings when we get to... Some more sensitive themes just to let y'all know. Kellyanne McGillis was born July 9th in 1957 in Newport Beach, California. This would have Kelly born under the astrological sign of cancer. (laughs) Kelly's the oldest of three kids, and as a kid, she is a full on tomboy. Her dad's a physician, and Kelly will go with him when he makes house calls to patients. And although Kelly's close to her parents as a, as a kid, when she gets to her teenage years, she becomes really rebellious. A lot of acting out. Naturally, as it happens to do, this strains her relationship with her parents. And when Kelly was 17 years old, they kick her out of the house. Well, wow. Kelly McGillis says, I was an incredibly rebellious teenager. I thought I should be 18 and have all the privileges of 18 when I was 13. I was just out of control. I think this is super relatable for a lot of folks out there because one reason that was likely contributing to Kelly's teenage angst and rebellion was her sexuality. She'll tell an interviewer, I was very attracted to girls in high school and that horrified me because I just knew that it wasn't right. That's what I told myself. Mind you, my family never, ever, ever talked about sex. Not sex, not even menstruation. They were all taboo subjects that you just didn't talk about. So it was a very, very scary and confusing time for me. I'm sure. And that was probably like early 70s. That's it. She drops out of high school in 1975. Okay. Yeah. And that's fine. She's Mm going to choose instead to get her GED. And Kelly will enroll then in the Pacific Conservatory of Performing Arts in Santa Maria. Obviously, she's super gifted because despite dropping out of high school, Kelly was accepted to transfer to the Juilliard School. Oh, wow. Big deal, right? Yeah. So, things maybe are looking up. We got some different changes to go through. Some watershed moments here. We have Kelly's short, very short first marriage and her first relationship with a woman Ah, uh, youth. Lots of stuff. And Kelly is not the first person in the world or on our podcast to get married too soon mm-hmm. into a misguided first marriage. Sure. But Kelly had a rather unusual reason for doing it because Kelly will get married to win her parents' approval. That sounds like a terrible reason. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks that's a good reason at sure, the time. sure. Saying, I really wanted my parents to love me. They chucked me out of the house at 17 and said, we don't want to see you anymore. So I thought that to win their approval back, getting married was the right thing to do. So then, for all the wrong reasons, Kelly McGillis married Boyd Black, a fellow Juilliard student, on April 14, 1979. Kelly has said that she knew quickly the marriage couldn't survive, not only the grueling schedule, but the demands of Juilliard. It's a big deal, but that wasn't the only reason that the marriage was not destined to last. Kelly and Boyd split amicably in 1981. So, a couple in years, and out, two years, yeah. Kelly said that her time in New York City, seeing people openly living a lot of different kinds of lives, allowed her to explore her own sexuality, which she had struggled with for years. After ending her marriage, Kelly does start dating a woman. The two move in together pretty quickly. Don't want to say the term U-Haul lesbian, but there's a reason it's a trope. Sure. Now here, it's not great. Going to give y'all some heads up on some pretty mature content here. If you are sensitive to sexual assault, skip ahead about another two, three minutes. Because within 1981, Kelly was involved in a robbery attack. She suffered a brutal attack in 1982, and this begins sort of a spiral downward for her. So that same year that Kelly McGillis split with Boyd Black, she was robbed at gunpoint. Naturally a frightening experience, Mm -hmm. but Kelly considered To be a part of living in New York? Like, okay, I live in a city. That's a risk you take. This isn't anything unusual that happened to me that hasn't happened to a lot of other folks. However, in February of 1982, something much, much worse happened to Kelly McGillis. Two men broke into her apartment and raped her at knife point. Kelly tells People in 1988... I'll never forget the way they smelled, like alcohol and old sweat. While one watched, the taller one got on top of me and held the knife at my right eye. Then the other one got on top of me. They kept switching and telling me they were going to beat me until I was dead. Fortunately, a neighbor heard Kelly's screams and called the police. When one of the officers started banging on the door, the attackers ran away. Kelly was able to identify one of her attackers from a mugshot. He was a 15-year-old who was on the run from a juvenile detention center. He pled guilty and was sentenced to three years in prison. The identity of the other teen attacker was never made public.
0: That's... I... Did not know that part of the story. Wow, three years for permanently traumatizing someone for the rest of her life. For the
1: rest of their lives. Because really the
0: trauma of being attacked
1: and raped Mm -hmm. is
0: awful In your own home, yeah.
1: But Kelly tortures herself emotionally over it, blaming herself for a number of years. She'll explain, quote, I never got over that. When you're a victim of violent crime like that, I think it's normal to think, what did I do to deserve this? And the story I came up with, that I could cope with, was that I was being punished because I liked girls because
0: I'm gay. Wow. That is
1: This is some heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah,
0: that's really sad.
1: Feeling like she brought this tragedy on herself, Kelly doesn't really know how to handle... The feelings of guilt and fear and trauma in a way that is healthy. healthy. When asked how Kelly moved forward after the attack, she will tell people, I drank a lot. I would put myself in demeaning relationships with men. It made me feel horrible, but it seemed to be what I deserved. Kelly would go out and drink until she blacked out. She'd wake up the next day not knowing where she was or who she was with. She also said that she had difficulty eating or sleeping for many years after the attack. And she, quote unquote, twitched incessantly. Kelly couldn't use the subway without gagging and admitted that if it had not been for her friends and teachers at Juilliard, she most likely would have died from suicide. Pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. We're getting to less heavy stuff in the next part. Hollywood is going to come a-calling, and we're going to find out about that right after we hear from our sponsors.
0: We'll see you on the flip. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Follow Disantel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your
1: podcasts.
0: Hey, Trash Pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and I don't know, exposing official corruption, all in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island, from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia... It's a great combo of gameplay, it's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Okay, let's get to Hollywood. Hooray for it and
1: everything. The late 1980s was Kelly McGillis' time to shine. She comes onto the scene in a big way and stars in some of Hollywood's biggest hits. In 1985, Kelly was in the crime thriller Witness with mm. Harrison Ford yep. and Lucas Haas. It was a huge hit with both critics and audiences ending up grossing over $116 million. Witness was also nominated for eight Academy Awards and six Golden Globes, including a nomination for Kelly McGillis for Best Supporting Actress. Cool, big breakout role. Nothing like the next role that's gonna come because in 1986, she's on the highway to the danger zone. Yes, she was with a little movie called Top Gun. Hell
0: yeah! <laughs>
1: <laughs> you watch Top Gun a lot in your I did. Household it growing was up. it
0: was a big it was a big movie for us in my. Childhood Home. We watched it not too long ago, and, you know, I thought it held up pretty well. I really
1: do like Meg Ryan. I like Anthony Edwards. There's a lot to like about that movie. I like Kelly McGillis. There's a lot to enjoy about that film. I mean, volleyball was having a moment at the time, too. (laughs) It really was. Okay, so Top Gun, it is, that makes Kelly McGillis a household name. She plays, as you remember, the beautiful flight instructor, Charlie She was the envy of millions of women as the love interest of Tom Cruise's Maverick. Top Gun, for anyone who did not live through that phenomenon in 1986, was the highest grossing film of 1986, with a worldwide box office total of $354 million. Top Gun was nominated for four Academy Awards and three Golden Globes. Kelly then moves on to a few other movies that didn't make it so big in 1987 or 1988 and then was gaining attention again for her role in The Accused with Jodie Foster. The Accused was a legal drama that focused on a brutal gang rape of a woman by three men at a local bar and the victim's fight to get justice despite some of her past behavior that doesn't make her a great witness.
0: Right. Was this therapeutic for her?
1: Let's talk about it. This film, The Accused, does shine a bright light on the flaws of the legal system for rape victims at that time, and most certainly then and now, the way a victim was blamed or discounted for their previous sexual package. I'm not going to say behaviors, but... For their previous sexual history or experiences. Sure. Jodie Foster in this film plays the rape victim. Kelly McGillis plays the prosecuting district attorney. And McGillis does, to your point, accepts the role because she thinks it will help her deal with her own traumatic experience. Sure. The accused opened at number one at the box office. But its overall gross was lower than Kelly's other hits. It comes in at ninety two point one
0: million, which it's still not a bad take. Not a bad take, and it's tougher subject matter. I mean, to be fully clear,
1: absolute the film
0: not yeah. not the feel good movie of the summer. No. You know,
1: it was favorably reviewed, but mm-hmm. to be fair, uh, it was difficult to watch at times, as the movie does depict the devastating effects that rape has on its victims and the myriad of unfair and disturbing ways that victims were treated by the legal system packing in another layer of abuse Mm -hmm. that just isn't helpful. Yeah. Jodie Foster wins the Academy Award and Golden Globe for Best Actress for her role in The Accused. And The Accused honestly would be far from Kelly's last movie, but it was the last of the big hits that she starred in during her peak years in the late 1980s. And although it would be many years before either Jodie Foster or Kelly McGillis came out, it was rumored that the two had a romantic affair during the filming of the accused.
0: Interesting. I was going to ask if they were gay friends or if they were still both quite private about it.
1: Apparently Jodie Foster spent a few nights at McGillis's apartment during the filming, which fuels these rumors. Mm -hmm. For the record, the rumored affair between the two has never been confirmed. Not that
0: either one of these people would tell us. Jodie Foster is very private. Nor really should they.
1: (laughs) Y'all have that. Okay, but they didn't have that for very long because second marriage comes around in 1989. Hmm. Kelly will get married fresh off her major hits Witness and Top Gun and the Accused. And this time she's going to find a groom who has not a thing to do. With Hollywood, And a lot of her fans are shocked to hear that she walks away from her acting career to get married and start a family, but that's exactly what Kelly does. Her second husband, are you ready for this? Boats, 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 is a wealthy yacht salesman, and his name is Fred Tillman. Oh my gosh, okay, Boats, Boats, Boats. Boats, Boats, Boats. Kelly reads in a tabloid paper shortly after this 1989 marriage. That she, Kelly, had married a quote-unquote complete nobody. (laughs) She said she took it as a compliment, Mm -hmm. saying, I've lived with actors and dated actors, and personally, I found it really boring. All your life is talking about work or living it. I wanted something more than that, and I obviously met the right person, and it didn't really matter what he did. I don't care. He's great. This was big news when it happened. Of the other cities that I like to follow the big news in, one of my favorite is Key West, Florida. The land of pirates and troubadours. So Kelly and Fred, when they get married, move to Key West. That's awesome, actually. And what would make it better? You know what we should do? We should open a bar. Really? Yep. (laughs) They open a bar and restaurant called Kelly's Caribbean Bar Grill and Brewery. Kelly just wants to live a normal life where Mm -hmm. she can walk down the street without being bothered or stared at.
0: That's tough when you've starred in Top Gun and Witness and The Accused.
1: But in Key West, you kind of can. You kind of can. That was Jimmy Buffett for a long time. That was Truman Capote. That was Tennessee Williams. That was. Sure. I mean, it's a thriving uh, artistic quirky awesome community key west mm-hmm. judy bloom has a bookstore in key west point proved <laughs> like it's uh, anyway it's a carnival it's a it's a carnival but it's a fun one so kelly and fred are like yeah we're gonna open kelly's caribbean bar grill and brewery and she and fred work at their restaurant like daily they make the schedules and do sure. the work and wait tables they don't just open the owner operators. And walk away mm-hmm. no, it's, it's their thing they're working, the, they're working the restaurant biz. About her move to Key West, Kelly said, It's got a very European attitude. There's a certain tolerance here that's quickly vanishing from the rest of America. And that was in 1989. Key West has changed a lot, but the, the legend, the stories. Regarding her decision to wipe down tables and take orders at her restaurant, she said, The only way to really know what needs to be done is to be here and do it. I feel it's my responsibility. It has my name on it, and I care a great deal about what goes on. I'm such a bloody perfectionist that it drives everybody nuts, but mostly it drives me nuts. (laughs) I get you, sister. I get you. Kelly hadn't abandoned the idea of acting altogether. while she's bussing tables and putting in food orders. She's still reading scripts. Occasionally, she'll accept a role but she's much more selective about the projects that she works on. She'll get back into performing in theater. She says she loves that. Shakespeare was what her training was in. Like you go from Shakespeare to Charlie in Top Gun, you probably miss the theater. Kelly and Fred will have two daughters together. Their first daughter was born in May of 1990. Their second daughter was born in April of 1993. You may be asking yourself about Kelly's decision, perhaps, to marry a man and have a traditional family when she's admitted to being primarily attracted to women. Kelly has since spoken out about these decisions on several occasions. She'll tell the New York Times, Deep inside, I always knew it wasn't the truth. I was never dishonest with Fred about my past and history, but it was a big struggle for me. In another interview, she explained, I met Fred and I thought, Fred will protect me. Nobody will ever hurt me again. And that only worked for so long because the fact is that I wasn't being true to who I was and what I am. You can only live a lie for so long without absolutely destroying yourself. And that's what I did. Hmm. So clearly, all is not well behind the scenes. Not only was Kelly unhappy, at hiding who she was but fred was going through some of his own challenges right after their second daughter was born fred was arrested for soliciting a sex worker who turned out to be an undercover policewoman.
0: yeah that's a yikes
1: the couple was able to move past that incident but problems are lurking
0: yeah i would think that's gonna stay present for a while I would think.
1: Yeah. By this time, Kelly also is struggling with some serious drug and alcohol misuse saying her drug and alcohol dependence quote was a coping mechanism for all the shit I created in my life unquote. But Kelly found a bright spot during this part of her life. It was because of one of the bartenders at a restaurant that bartender's name was Melanie Lace. Soon after hiring Melanie Kelly goes out with Melanie and a group of her friends to celebrate someone's birthday. McGillis says, We just started talking, and I was really taken with her. Melanie Lays says of their early relationship and falling into destructive patterns together, We were partners in crime, and we were both drinking and abusing drugs. Kelly McGillis and Fred Tillman divorce in 2002, and because of Kelly's drug and alcohol Issues. Fred Tillman was awarded custody of their daughters. Little bit of positive life forward news here about the same time as her divorce. Kelly decides to check into rehab to deal with her addiction issues. At this point, she will move to the Pennsylvania Dutch country to do this. Hmm. She wants to be in an area that wouldn't pose a lot of temptation for her.
0: Makes sense. And I can imagine being in a situation where you are not competent to be a custodial parent to your own children is probably a big wake-up moment, right? Absolutely. I don't have more information Mm
1: -hmm. on Kelly's particular reasons, but that would track. Yeah. So a lot of folks who are unaware of her addiction issues figure that Kelly just has grown to love the Pennsylvania countryside back when she was filming Witness. Sure. Great memories. <laughs> this honestly has nothing to do with her decision. Like, if you're in rehab and there are no bars within 100 miles, right. where are you going to go? Right. The witness thing, though, had not a thing to do with her decision. It, other reasons. She'll say, the honest truth is, I lived in a halfway house in that area. Now, a little bit of additional news that's good for this story. Melanie Lace also decides to get sober, and eventually the two live together in Monton, Pennsylvania and work on navigating their sobriety together. Melanie said, It was a challenging time, both of us newly sober and trying to learn how to live life differently. Slowly during this time, Kelly's sobriety allows her, helps her to accept her sexuality. It still takes a long time after overcoming her addictions before she's comfortable with it, She'll say, I did what my parents did and just didn't talk about it. It didn't talk about the elephant in the room. I had so much shame. For the longest time when Mel and I would be out, I said, you can't possibly touch me in public. You just can't do that. It embarrassed me. Hearing that, it's no big wonder that Melanie struggles with Kelly's reluctance to publicly acknowledge their relationship. Yeah, that's a lot. This will cause them to... Go through a breakup and get back together and go through a breakup and get back together and kind of do that wheel of relationship. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Kelly decides that she wants to share her sexuality with her kids. Fortunately, when she did, her kids were really understanding. Cool, mom. Awesome. Sadly, not everyone was as understanding as her children
0: so, yeah, I mean, she had 90s kids, right? So, like, and now we're into the 2000s. Sure. I can imagine that kids they were non-plussed. like. Yeah. I thought you had news.
1: <laughs> After coming out to her kids, Kelly was still afraid to speak about it publicly or to the press for fear of repercussions for her children. It's so funny to me that mm-hmm. all the things you really, really worry about are the things yeah. that never happen. And the thing you never see coming is the thing that always does.
0: Hmm. Well, I can't wait to see where this goes.
1: Kelly says, my kids have always been very understanding, but it was their friends and their friends' parents that weren't very accepting. My kids suffered a great deal because I was with Mel and that Hmm. bothered me a lot. So I never chose to talk about it. Kelly works hard to repair the relationship with her daughter's not only probably from getting sober, a mm-hmm. lot of changes.
0: A lot, of, Yeah, a lot, a lot there to work on.
1: Kelly also stays out of Hollywood, choosing to focus on her sobriety and raising her kids. When she is asked why she chose not to get back on the big screen, she'll tell Entertainment Tonight, it didn't become a priority. What became a priority initially was raising my girls and being the best sober parent I could be.
0: I like that priority.
1: It's good stuff. Let's take one more quick break. We're going to come back for a little bit more on Kelly McGillis to round out this trashy divorces story. We'll be right back. Okay. Let's just get Kelly done with the man thing and back on stage. In 2008, Kelly was once again in front of the camera when she appeared in a few episodes of Showtime's The L Word.
0: Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's
1: quite the bold statement. Kelly's character is Colonel Jillian Davis, who was a closeted colonel trying to kick another character out. Okay. By 2009, Kelly was ready to come out as a lesbian in her real life in February 2009. Kelly tells SheWired.com, I'm done with the man thing. It's part of being true to yourself. That's been a challenge for me personally.
0: I just figured she'd throw on a flannel and be conspicuously photographed at an indigo girl show or something. And
1: that's one way to do it. uh In May of 2009, Kelly opens up to people about her decision to be honest during that February 2009 interview with shewired.com. Kelly says it was like a moment of truth. A reporter asked me the question and I thought, Hmm, do I say the truth or do I just say it's none of your business? Which is my standard answer. The question that SheWired.com asked was, as a single woman, are you looking to date a man or a woman? And Kelly said the truthful answer was pretty simple. Quote, definitely a woman. Unquote. McGillis goes on to tell people, although she had been married twice before to men, she had actually always been a lesbian. Quote, I tried really hard not to be who I am. I tried super hard. It was a difficult journey for me to come to terms and be whole and happy with who I am, unquote. In 2010, the Philadelphia Gay News asked her about not being able to fully embrace her sexuality until she was in her 40s. And Kelly said she doesn't think self-acceptance should, quote, be subject to a lifetime, unquote. She'll go on to say, I don't think I'm unusual because this is what I believe with my heart and soul sexuality is a complicated, complicated issue. You add to that the family dynamic, the societal dynamic, and your personal dynamic of who you are, it's a friggin' messy situation. I don't know anybody who it's been easy for, gay or straight. Let's face it. We human beings are a mess. We all try to look so neat and clean, but the truth is we're all just messy. And that's okay. I mean, that that is perfectly true. And I, I'm glad she got there. We're so messy. We really are. By this time, Kelly had also returned to the stage in 2004. She played my very favorite role for the theater ever. Lady M, Scottish queen, Lady Macbeth, in the Washington, D.C. production of Mackers. I'll say the character name. Yeah, I need you Um, to run outside and like in circles or whatever. And not to come back in. Mm -hmm. The following year in 2005, Kelly played Mrs. Robinson in a national tour of The Graduate. In 2009, she starred as Regina Giddens in The Little Foxes at the Pasadena Playhouse. So what's up with Melanie? Let's talk about her lover,
0: right? It did seem like she just sort of dropped out of the story there. but She's not dropped out of the story.
1: In 2010, Melanie Lace proposed to Kelly McGillis, and Kelly accepted, and the two married in a small ceremony in a quiet New Jersey town on September fifteenth, 2010, with 11 friends in attendance, including Fred Tillman, Kelly's second husband. Good for him. The two lovebirds were featured in the New York Times with a story about civil unions, with McGillis telling the New York Times, I was always gun-shy. I thought, oh my God, I've had two unsuccessful marriages. What am I doing? I don't want to be like, I don't know who, Zsa Zsa Gabor, (laughs) someone who's gotten married a hundred times. And we had problems because we had drank together, we did drugs together, and then we got clean together. And it was crazy. We needed to grow up and learn how to have an adult relationship. I missed the boat on healthy relationships, so I'm still working on it. But the truth is, we're at a good place now. I love Mel and I want to spend the rest of my life with her. At the ceremony, Kelly put the ring on Melanie's finger and repeated after the judge. With this ring, I join in civil union and do promise to cherish you throughout life. Then Kelly began sobbing. Promise to cherish lasted until 2011, the following year when the two dissolved. Really? civil union. Oh my
0: God, isn't that always the way? Oh, well. Neither woman has spoken publicly about their split. Mm, It does sound like they had an extremely complicated history. So, yeah, that's tough. That'd be a lot to, that's a lot. That's
1: a lot. Marriage is tough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about Kelly and how she has helped others struggling with addiction. Really good here in 2013. Kelly spoke with the Oklahoman newspaper, about her work helping other people who are struggling with addiction. She does begin devoting a great deal of her time to working at a drug and alcohol rehabilitation clinic in New Jersey, saying, I find it's just an amazing gift to see people come in hopeless and to be given some hope and some desire to live and some tools for hopefully changing their lives, their children's lives, their families' lives. In a different interview, she'll say, Because I had my... Because I had my struggles with alcohol and drugs, I can help other women who have had the same problems. When we move along to June of 2016, I regret this part. Kelly was attacked again in her home by a complete stranger. But thankfully, it was far less serious and traumatic the last time. Not that there's a comparison on trauma. Sure, A woman... Kelly had never met before, broke into her home, and left Kelly with scratches and bruises after a brief assault. Apparently, she returned home, Kelly did, and sent someone inside her home. Wow. She will reveal this incident in a lengthy Facebook post. Quote, I was trying to get rid of the stuff in my hand to better assess what was going on when a stranger, a woman, came barreling down the hallway and began yelling at me. I asked her who she is and why she was in my house, and she said, you know why, you've been stalking me in Twitter. Not true. She ran out after me and began punching and scratching me, trying to grab the phone out of my hand. I began screaming as loud as I could, hoping someone might hear me. According to Inside Edition, quote, she said she struggled to call police and says she escaped in her truck and flagged down a motorist who called 911. The motorist told 911, A woman just pulled me over. She said that someone has just broken into her house. McGillis then took the phone and said, I don't know her. She says she knows me, and I don't know anything about her. The operator asked, how did they get in? Kelly says, I have no idea. I came home, and the door was unlocked. The lights were on, and I said, hello, hello, and she came out and just said a bunch of shit. Following the incident, the woman was charged with second-degree burglary, misdemeanor larceny, misdemeanor stalking, assault and battery, and interfering with emergency communication. Get ready to be disappointed again.
0: Oh, no. I was going to... Yeah. Do we know what was
1: up with her? Uh. Well, here's her punishment, crime and punishment. This woman was later convicted of misdemeanor breaking and entering and sentenced to probation. Hmm. The thing that Kelly McGillis though is the most angry about is with her neighbors who don't come to help her or call nine one one they when they hear her yelling for help. She'll say, "I feel you have an obligation when I hear help, help, help. Oh yeah, to either help them first or call nine one one if it's a dangerous situation. Hundred percent. But to flat out ignore it. Yeah. Soon after this incident, Kelly McGillis will go through the proper training and get a concealed gun carry permit.
0: Hate that it has to come to that, but I cannot say I blame her. Not one Not at not that. Not after of that. Mm-hmm. finding
1: strangers in my home with my past trauma? Nope, not one bit. Okay, let's get to Kelly's refreshing thoughts on aging and not being asked to appear in Maverick. Kelly continued to act in small parts and have guest appearances throughout the 2000s, but she was really... Rather unwilling to make changes to her appearance or fight the aging process just to get roles. She said she refused to have plastic surgery or to dye her gray hair. Telling Entertainment Tonight, For a long, long time, I really tried to be something I'm not. And I have to say it ruined my life in a lot of ways. I appreciate that. Always be yourself. No one else is better qualified. Yes, I feel like a kitten on a tree just said that. (laughs) Regarding Kelly not being asked to appear in the Top Gun sequel Maverick, she'll very candidly tell Entertainment Tonight, I'm old and I'm fat, and I look age appropriate for what my age is, and that's not what that whole scene is about. I'd much rather feel absolutely secure in my skin and my age than place any value in all that other stuff. She will go on to tell Yahoo, you know my goal is to be like Jessica Tandy, to be an older woman and really just secure in myself, and I don't want to have to try to be 30 for the rest of my life. It's a stupid way to live your life. Amen. That, my darlings, is the Trashy Divorces coming of age and into your messy, messy human soul and embracing it saga of Kelly McGillis.
0: Is that our first Trashy Civil Unions breakup? (laughs) I don't, I feel like no, but I can't think of who else right now. All right. All right. Well, thanks for that. That that went places.
1: I don't think any trash cans for Kelly McGillis. Yeah. I think trash cans for some terrible people involved in that story, but it sounds like she really has gone through a few watershed moments in yeah. her life. I may use watershed by the Indigo Girls for mm. this song.
0: Let's give her halos. Yeah, a few halos.
1: I do like the line in that song. When you're learning to face the path at your pace, every choice is worth your while. That might be, we're getting out of the, we're getting off the highway to the danger zone and doing a watershed moment for Kelly McGillis.
0: Well, this ended up being Indigo Girls theme, didn't it? Just a
1: smidge. All right, my friends. Thank you one and all for hanging out with us today. You're going to be back this weekend Mm -hmm. for another Trashy Divorces episode. With like a
0: trash goblin.
1: (laughs) In the meantime, you can always get more Trashy Divorces content over at patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces, all kinds of good stuff rolling over there. And if you're looking for two
0: new podcasts to add into your summertime listening, you can check out Trashy Royals and your Dominic Dunn fan cast, Dunn and Dunn, both are available wherever you get your podcasts
1: for free. Just go search those terms. You can get two brand new podcast streams from us here at TDHQ. Y'all, holy cats. Until we meet again, we really want you to keep your hands clean. Keep those hearts trashy, friends. Keep those human souls messy, too, because it's the only glorious way to ride through this one life we got. Yep. Big love, everybody. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia, by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa
0: O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram.